Welcome to another episode of the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman. I am your host, as always, joined once again by uh, two of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Speaking of one of those, a new subscriber, new, um, to the Twitch channel, uh, Amanda Fair, the Princess of Power. How are you, my friend? I'm having an awesome day, and this is just going to make my day even more awesome. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best not to let you All down. All you have to do is show up, buddy. That's it. I don't expect I, anything else. You just got to be you. It. I did it. Woohoo. But also, um, the icing on the wonderful end, end of day experience that is the Engage Family Gaming Podcast is you also get to hang out with Linda Roble, the Mistress of Magnificence, otherwise known as Mom. I love that they came up with that. I like, I did. It's just my favorite thing. So I'm going to say, so it's mom, the mistress of magnificence, not the multiverse of madness. Because that's a different mom thing. It's true. I mean, there's moments where I feel like in a multiverse of madness. Having not seen the movie, full disclaimer, I have not seen it. So um, um, uh, <laughs> the day will come soon. The, I mean, sure, the day will come. I've, I, so Amanda and I have seen it. I do want to say very briefly for those watching, um, it is a horror movie. Yes. Um, and so that is if correct. You have, if you have super young children or children who are frightened easily, uh, you may want to discuss this with them first because it is it definitely has some 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 kind of some some moments. Uh, my wife and I went to go see it. We had a date night. We went to go see it. Um, it was a very romantic date. Um, and uh, it's like when I went to see Pan's Labyrinth on uh, Valentine's Day. That was super yeah, that's romantic. A, that's a V so movie. If any, if ever there was one, um, you know this one. You know, like it's uh, it, there's some there's some elements in it, and um, it's I mean it's visually super impressive, and it's a Marvel movie, so if you love it. But mm-hmm. I, we had uh, we were in a very small theater. It's very intimate, um, which was an issue in and of itself, but. Um, there was a family that brought three super young kids. Or oh I don't know if they were one family, but like at least there were three super young kids amongst what could have been up to two groups of people. And mm-hmm. uh, only one of them made it to the end. Oh, um, little be- creatures. Because I would say, and Amanda, you watched it, I, I think there are probably about five moments that are... Yeah. Absolutely nightmare worthy. Everything's intense. You know, there's action, whatever. Um, but there are at least five moments. That at are least. Like, yeah. That are like, whoa. I was like, yeah. can they do that? Um, I, I, so I just. I definitely had those moments myself where I was checking in on the kids because we had Gabe and Vivi next to us. Um, they've played Subnautica though, so I feel like after Subnautica, everything is fine because Subnautica is scary. I mean, I, there are some folks that. Ha- so anyway, I'm not going to spoil stuff. The reality is, it's directed by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi knows how to direct a horror movie. Um, it's a very Raimi movie. Yeah, and it is. That's what I've been hearing. That does yeah. not mean it is bad. I think it is Ooh. fantastic. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I just think you need to be prepared, and if you have mm-hmm. very young kids or older kids who are have trouble, and if you, as an adult, have problems with body horror, I would... Uh, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I, I might not have been 10 years ago. <laughs> well, we've gotten you. Yeah. We've warmed you up. Um, you're ready yeah. for the scary stuff. Um, with that said, um, this is not the Marvel Cinematic Universe recommendation podcast. This is a family gaming podcast. <laughs> but we talk about movies occasionally <laughs> because sometimes it's just important uh, mm-hmm. to just throw those disclaimers out. It's all media. Um, it's So I do have an announcement. <laughs> Number one, I have to cough, I guess. I'm not sick, I promise. Um, it's allergy um, season, friend. Oh my gosh, really? it's so bad. So I do have an announcement for the folks watching. And I'll repeat it again at the end of the show. Uh, we're making another format change. I'm doing all sorts of changes here at Engage Family Gaming. And part of that is just adapting to the new world that we all live in. Um, but this change is pretty straightforward. Um, we're only going to do the podcast with all three of us from now on. 
Um, number one, because I like having both of my friends at the same, you know, with me at the same time. Um, and Amanda likes to see Linda and vice I versa. Do. And they don't only want to see each other when I skip a week. Um, so, but the consequence of that is I'm going to skip every other week. We're going to go to, uh, every, bi-monthly, is that what we call it? Is it bi-monthly, bi-weekly? I don't know. Every other week we're going to do a podcast. And we're going to bi-weekly. Bi-weekly, we are going to... Or semi-monthly. Semi-monthly, fair enough, thank you. Um, and we are going to <coughs> combine... I don't know why I'm coughing. It happens, buddy, it's okay. it's all yes. good. It, seriously, it's, it's, it's <clears throat> allergy season. We are going to combine the video game and board game topics into one show. Sometimes they'll bleed into each other, sometimes the show might... You know, we're going to figure it out. Um, but this is to allow us as adults to have more time to do adulty things so that when it's time to podcast by your week in podcast on those weeks when I am not podcasting, if I have a game that is new to stream, I may do so. Um, in fact, I think that is very likely. So keep your eyes peeled here. I will likely be doing, you know, hour, hour and a half long streams there. I know I've talked about doing that on Thursday. Things have just been really crazy. Because uh, the world is kind of opening up again. And last Thursday, I went to go see. Uh, I went to go see the movie with my wife. Um, and sorry, but and you know what? This is a super busy time of year. It's May. Yeah. It's graduation season for college. We're getting into yep. high school graduation season. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just was so, doing planning for my school year. I can't believe I have like four weeks left. But guess what? Here's Same. the really. Here's the really cool thing. Um, we have a podcast to do right now. So let's Ew. start by going around the horn uh, because we all, right. all have a lot of games to talk about. I have two, so I'm going to go first. And I'm going to start with an old game. By old, right. I mean like six years old. It's been around for a while, but it's not like... In internet years, that's extremely old. Yeah. It's super um, old. And it's a live service game. I think I would qualify this as a live service game. Um, Amanda, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This game that I'm talking about is Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Oh. Um, I'm familiar with this game. Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms is on Steam. I believe it's even on Switch. It's on mobile. It's all over the place. It's slowly infiltrating everywhere. And it is an idle game uh, where you collect Dungeons & Dragons heroes... Uh, and uh, you go on quests. It is free to play, um, meaning it does come with that set of shenanigans and chicanery. However, um, there are... uh, I have not... I think I've been playing for two weeks now, and I have spent $3. And it's because I wanted a gelatinous cube monster as a pet. That's fair. Because, like... It was three dollars, gelatinous cube monster. Um, so, if you don't know what an idle game is, those listening, perhaps this is something we should put into the glossary. If it's not there already, might be a good idea. Uh, an idle game. <laughs> these actually are getting. They come in and out of style, right? Like this you is do. one of those. So, um, and it really com- depends on if somebody comes up with like a new twist on it. But an idle game uh, is a game that plays on its own. It generally starts with you being like a mouse clicky game, like you click on things on the screen to deal damage or to collect cookies or coins or whatever, but eventually you unlock powers that do the thing on its own. And so you just kind of watch it do its thing, um, and it collects resources or defeats It's an engine monsters, builder. And you're building okay. an engine. And what's really interesting about idle games is idle games are a really interesting way to teach scientific uh, t- to teach like scientific numbers, you know, where it's like one point six three five x times ten to the nth or whatever. Like, okay, because eventually the numbers get absolutely bananas. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, you're it's the damage that you are dealing, etc., is expressed in scientific numbers, and the money that you are collecting is expressed in scientific numbers. So it's actually really kind of an interesting way to demonstrate how um, the like what is a bigger scientific number than others because it's not necessarily intuitive. Like I, right. if I were a teacher that if honestly if I were a math teacher that had to teach this subject, I would literally run one of those games for an entire year and just that'd be really cool. Um, so what's really interesting about this is there is actually some tactical decision making 
about it because you're building your crew and they're in a formation. And uh, what happens is all of the dudes, and you collect all sorts of adventures, um, and they all occupy different slots, which are mm-hmm. in a certain slot, for example, slot number three, there are six or seven different slot three heroes that you can have, and you can only have one of them. Okay. So you have that as a meaningful choice. So, for example, right now you have to choose between, like, a cool cleric chick or Dungeon Master from the 1980s D&D cartoon. Um, and there's real reasons why you wouldn't use him for certain adventures, uh, because he's, or certain combinations, and certain players, certain characters don't balance very well, right? There's one guy that's mm-hmm. a drow pirate, okay. and so he really wants you to have other rogues or drow elves in your party, because if you do, you get more gold. And you use the gold to buy more levels and buy whatever. And so it's actually really interesting from a tactical perspective, not on a minute-to-minute tactical thing. It's not like every turn you're making decisions. Um, It's really more of a, I want to set up my dudes and then watch them go. Um, And it is fascinating. And And you could literally close it at night. And it runs overnight. So the whole one more turn thing is not an issue. Because you can set it up and it plays. And it plays while it's offline. So if you turn your computer off, it will play. And so when you log in, it'll say, by the way, while you were gone, you progressed this many levels, you did this much, collected this much gold, and then you can spend it all, which is really fun, um, on leveling all your dudes and you keep going. They have, um, and they have a bunch of quests that are all based on the book adventures from Dungeons & Dragons. So... You know, there's, uh, you're going adventuring on the Sword Coast, and then there's, but it all, it's crazy. It's just really cool. Um, I am having a lot of fun with it. I, I mean, I just leave it idle, and it just, because that's what it is. And so it's like basically a screensaver that I click every once in a while, and it like does stuff. The graphics are cartoony. I mean, it is, there's a little bit of cartoon blood. So I think if you're, concerned about but but it's dungeons and dragons and it's so it's it's got everything's cartoony there's a little bit of that Uh, so if you are concerned about that obviously this would be not appropriate for that but if you play dungeons and dragons with your kids um and they fight and kill goblins and you do that kind of D &D or whatever i I don't think this is terribly offensive um i like it a lot i think it's super fun it's on steam um (coughs) um it's all over the place the other thing you can do um, is they have Twitch streams every day. You follow their Twitch channel, and you just, every day, log into their Twitch channels when you can, um, and all of their Twitch streamers have a code for an Electrum chest, which has five cards in it that give you stuff, whether it be equipment for adventurers or gems that you can, that are a premium currency. <coughs> um, yeah, so you just slowly get stuff. I think That's it's really pretty cool. cool. Yeah. This one's really I, cool. I did not think I... I tried it back in the day. Um, I Like, when it first came out, I installed it and played it for, like, three days. And I just don't think there was enough to it to keep my interest. And so I stopped playing um, and closed it. And then when I logged back in, like, re-downloaded it, I was like, oh, I had played this game before. And it was like, while you are offline, you have earned this ginormous number. Oh, was um, so was going all that oh, I was, time. I had my characters leveling up on this one level for I think five years. Oh my, I don't know. Um, That's impressive. So, so yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so it's idle champions of the Forgotten Realms. Idle games, like a man and I said, they're like really weird. Like they come in and out of style. Hi, baby. So. That's my video game. Linda, you played a board game on Mother's did. Day. Did. Tell us how Since you did. Since we were kind of hanging out, I insisted that for Mother's Day, I wanted to play Mountains Out of Molehills. So this was the one that the OP had sent to us. Thanks, yep. And it was fantastic. Uh, the whole family, we sat down, and it's up to four players, so it was perfect for our group. Yep. And what's really neat, besides the fact that this is the, the game that's got the two layers, so you've got the moles underground and then the surface level, there's a bunch of elements to this game that I wasn't expecting just from the box cover. 
And once we kind of delve into it and learned it, not, nothing super complicated, but it definitely added some cool elements. So there's really three phases to the game. It's played over rounds, and in each round, you're card drafting your movement, you're planning your movement, and then actually going through an going through the movements, scoring, and then reset for the next round. You just do that six times. And it was really neat to see how that played out with having to program your movement beforehand and the shenanigans that occurred once we played it out. We might have had a case where one of my children accidentally programmed their mole to walk into the wall and just keep running into the wall for two turns. Oh. They didn't... They, they, didn't turn the right way and there, you know, um, but he took it in stride. We kind of like teased and, you know, that playful teasing and he, he understood that, you know, he just got turned around. It happens. Yep. It happens. Um, it does. But this is so cute because as your mole moves, you're putting your cubes. So your the premise is you're, as they move, they're pushing up dirt. And to represent the dirt, each player has a cube. And I just, I'm enthralled by these cubes because they are so much like the Unifix cubes we use in math because they connect only one direction. They're not multi-sided. Um, but the difference is they are, they do have some texture to them. So they are definitely distinctive from the cubes I've got in my classroom. But as you move, you're pushing up dirt. So you're adding your cube. You're adding from the bottom up. Oh. And whoever controls the bottom color gets points for how high the molehill is. That makes sense. That's what you're ultimately trying to get. You're getting points for your molehills. Understood. That's your mechanism. Yep. So, and there's a whole mechanism with the, if the molehills get too tall, they topple over, and there's this whole mechanic for how they topple every round, every round. Over the rounds, the molehills can get taller, but it's not every round it increases. Oh, I see what you mean. So there's an increase, but so, and what I love is on the scoring sheet, it's right here on the scoring sheet. It tells you the maximum height. So the first round, you can only have it too, too high, which isn't hard to like, it's not hard to get above that because there's only so many movements that are occurring. The next two rounds, you can't exceed three without causing a topple. Okay. Round four and five, you can only be four cubes high four topples. And the final round is five cubes high. And we didn't get a lot of toppling until the last round. And then it was domino effects. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to topple. And that... then, nope, then it triggers that one to topple. And so it, it was really interesting to see how that all progressed. That's neat. It really is neat. I might have to try that out. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe we have it. an opportunity. Next time you come up. I love I mean, this we idea. Do to, we do yes. have to put it on the calendar. We got to do it. So, we do. Um, so uh, this is so. First off, big shout out to the OP for uh, supporting our board game coverage by sending us all sorts of products to try out, test, etc. Um, we did give them a commensurate shout out in our inaugural Engage Family Gaming board game issue of our magazine, which has been a it's just been flying off store shelves. Everybody, um, you can't find them anywhere. It's true. Um, and that's because you, you, the only place you can do it is get it, is to download it at engagefamilygaming.com. Just look for the magazine on the header. Um, but thank you very much, EOP, for sending us Mountains of Mulville. I cannot wait to give that one a, a try. It looks so cool. Um, I love uh, – I'm just really glad that the little supports that hold the box up are made out of plastic. Yeah, they're pretty heavy duty. <clears throat> I thought they were going to be important. cardboard. I thought they were going to be cardboard and thus immediately shatter. Um, so I'm very excited, very, like, Chef Kiss excited that they made it out of plastic. Amanda, um, you, you play a lot of, you play a fair number of games because you have a job that revolves around playing games. Many of those that you play for your job you can't talk about, and we understand nope. and love that. Um, hashtag redacted. Hashtag redacted. How, you should get that on a t-shirt, really, or on a hat. Oh my god, could you imagine, like, a baseball cap that was just, like, hashtag redacted? Um, yeah, like the no, RPM I could do that. Um, That'd be amazing. That I should do that. Great. Um, but, but you did get a really nifty little contraption in the last week or so that I will admit I am super jealous of um, to the point where if they do another round of selling them, I may need to get one um, 
because uh, I want one very badly. Um, you got the play date, which I'm going to be real. Sure did. I don't think Linda has any idea what I we're talking no about. No idea. Not even That's a totally little. fine. I just dropped it into chat. So if you've never seen it before, you can take a look at what the play date is. It's so a the play date, Game Boy, right? Basically. I mean, kind of. More specifically, the Playdate is a very, it's a tiny, tiny system. Like, it's very small. It's, like, about, I don't know, like, this big. Maybe a little bit bigger than that, about this big. Like, it's not very big. Very, very small. And it is built for experimental indie games. Mm -hmm. And it has on this, so it looks like a Game Boy, right? It looks like it maybe should be a clamshell Game Boy, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have a clamshell. And instead of it being a clamshell Game Boy, it actually has this little contraption on the side that you pull out, and it's the crank. And it's used in a variety of different ways, depending on the game that you're playing. Um, In Whitewater Wipeout, you actually use the crank in order to... uh, You use the crank in order to figure out, like, where your surfboard nose is supposed to be pointing to get you to, like, the sickest waves. Um, and to keep you alive, quite frankly. And then in Casual Bird Watcher, you are taking pictures of birds. So you're using the crank to, like, you know, zoom in and make sure that everything's really focused. So a bunch of these experimental games are being released on a weekly basis. They're being released every Monday. And there, I think, are, I think it's like 24 weeks of this, potentially. Yeah. I oh, there just, we go. Uh, 12 weeks, two games right every Monday. I just put it up on the stream, so you should be able to watch, see a, a rendering of what this monster looks like. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna it's, lie to you folks. It's very cool. It really, it really super is. Cute. It's I adorable. Mean. It's very light. It sits in my purse. I bring it with me basically wherever. Um, is, is that a paper white screen? Is that like a like that kind of <clears throat> kind of? It's it's really really crisp but it's not yeah. backlit so you can't okay. play it in the dark and you can't play it like when it's really bright out you have to have just the right lighting in order to get the right experience so it's like but the the speakers are legit they are beautiful the sound that comes out of that little speaker there the one that you're seeing on the side it's so pretty like mm-hmm. so wow. so so pretty okay. so I I've been really having a good time playing Casual Bird Watcher because I love to, I love picture games. Like photography games are extremely my jam. That's why I love Pokemon Snap mm-hmm. and all the Snap alikes that came out over the last like three or four years. I've really enjoyed just hanging out, taking pictures of things. That's what I like to do. What can I say? It's you know, it's cool. Yeah. So these so uh, the, the next round is up for pre-orders. Hundred and seventy nine dollars. Yep. So this is not. It is. In a, this is not a budget. It's not a toy game device. This no. is. Um, I mean, it's a full on handheld console. For, it is. Um, I mean, it's, it's for, for experimental. Like it's for experimental indie games, and yeah. the one of the really cool things about the Playdate is they actually released their software development kit, their SDK, so that you can download it and make your own games. For the Playdate. Wow. So there's a bunch of very, very cool Playdate games that you can actually go onto itch.io and go buy and download and put onto your Playdate. And it is really cool. Like, really, really cool. And the folks that make Playdate are awesome humans. It's just, it was worth the wait. It really was worth the wait. And right now, like, one of the things I am really excited about is actually the Playdate stereo dock. Which is like it's a little it's a little stereo Bluetooth speaker that you can put your Playdate right into. It's really cute. It's got a little pen holder, I mean, so it can sit on my desk and look really adorable. Sounds great to me. Um, turns it into a nice little collectible. This is one of those. Things it's legit. I'm, 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 I, what's interesting is because of the itch.io community, this is one of those things um, that if you or the people you play games with really like experimental weird games. This thing is going to get supported for a very long time because Mm. that, that hacker community, you know what I mean? Like that group of people that are like, Hey, let's see if we can get this running on this thing. And this is, I'm, I'm going to have to get one eventually. Um, I'd recommend it. 
I'm because this is this is deli- what I really like about it is um, they're releasing games, small games, regularly. So as opposed, so as someone who has difficulty, um, really like big, giant, ob- obnoxious games that are not called World of Warcraft um, are tough for me. <laughs> Listen, if I said big, large, obnoxious games are really hard for me to get into, one of the two of you would have been like, <clears throat> point Excuse of order. me, I have all the questions. Excuse me, point of order. Pick me. <laughs> Can you please tell me how World of Warcraft is not at least obnoxious? Fair. Fair. It is very. Um, but, like, the idea of being able to pick up a device every, you know, and, and just plug away at, like, some cool games that are really kind of smaller experiences or whatever um, is really cool to me. And so um, I think this is neat that I wanted – I'm glad, so glad that you and Mike got them. I, when I saw the Twitter thing – I mean, I don't know why I didn't think one of you would. Like, at the very least, yeah. Mike couldn't help himself. But I'm glad that yeah. he – Well, it's my – it is my kind of – of console, right? Sure. I love, love weird indie games. And I the weirder the better, honestly. Like give me weird inputs, give me strange controllers, give me bizarre kinds of ways to play games. I am in. Absolutely true. And I know this is your wheelhouse. But even if, let's pretend we're in another multiverse where you are just sure. like you only I'm play just normal. Oh God. It's what? Like, there, that is a strange is, multiverse. There is listen, multiverse of madness just happened. There is for a, you guys. There's there probably a, a version of me out there, yeah. That there does this. There is Amanda that's wearing like that's sitting here being like, "Yo," with like a Baltimore Ravens hat, and uh, because it's purple, I'm still respecting the purple. Um, I appreciate it's a bizarre that. world. I love. I'm still, I'm still, and you're wearing a Baltimore Ravens hat, and you, you're basically the reason that you're here is because this is like the Hardcore Gamer podcast. Like, all I do is talk about Call of Duty, but you bring in, uh-huh. like, the other angle by talking about the Hardcore Sports games. And Linda is here. Sure, yeah. Um, I don't know this. why Linda's here. Linda's here um, because, um, I don't know, because <laughs> she's a professional Magic player. That's what it is. There you go. Um, There's Bizarre World. I love it. Player. Um, so, anyway. Um, wow. I, I played a board game, too. Want to talk about Bizarro World? Um, me playing right, a board game, it. not Bizarro World. I played no, a Kingdom not. Hearts board game with my mother. Okay, yeah, I need to know more about that Im- immediately. <laughs> and I, so, I'm also requesting the next time that I come visit that I meet your mom. <laughs> she would love that. Um, I'm certain that she really would. would. Um, so uh, I play. So speaking of the op, um. Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit is a cooperative dice game uh, set in the Kingdom Hearts universe. And um, two things. One, it is very good. Uh, Number two, like when I say good, very good, I mean very, very, very good. Um, But also, um, it is a really weird opportunity to sidestep slash lean into explaining the story and set premise of Kingdom Hearts to my mother. Um... Now, I want to I talk can respect about, that. But we're going to talk about very briefly about my mom's cred with nerd stuff because my mom, um, she, for, she, she by all rights should not be a nerd. She should not. She wasn't. She does not she fit was, the she, mold. She does not fit the mold. But if I told you that before the release of of Avengers: Infinity War, my mother. Brought to me on her like flat floral um, stationery a list of all of the Infinity Gems and where she knew they were within universe, including predictions for the ones that we had not seen yet. Wow, that's my mom. I was very that's proud legit. of that moment. Can I just say She's... she predicted she predicted that the Soul Stone was in Wakanda, and you know what? We had not we had no idea what they were gonna do. Um, and that was a good guess, I think. She, uh, she had done, she did her research. Some of it was influenced by the trailers. She's like, why else are they fighting in Wakanda? And I was like, probably because it's cheaper than blowing up a bunch of buildings. It's like in a jungle. But like, That's whatever. Um, she's like, they, got, they gotta be defending the Soul Stone. That's the whole thing. And I'm, and I'm like, I can't get mad at that. So, 
explaining the plot of Kingdom Hearts to my mother is not completely outside the realm of possibility. At least on a basic level. Um, okay. But I just want to say, and I fully admit to my audience, that I am a coward. Um, because I was very confu- concerned that it was going to take like a whole day. So this is what I said. Mom, here's the Kingdom Hearts thing. It's Final Fantasy shenanigans with Disney crap. And they put it in a blender. And none of it makes any sense. Except to, like, super nerds who, like, bless their hearts. They are all in. Like, there's, like, five people that know all of the plot. One of them yeah, is it's a very basically, good friend of Amanda's. It's basically Alexa. I mean, yeah. Alexa oh, no, just, like, knows things. Did you know there's there's actually a podcast right now that's, like, oh, a I know. month podcast. With, yeah, it's uh, Alexa and Cam Final Mix. And there's one Jonathan more. Dornbush. And Jonathan, Jonathan Dornbush. Dornbush. Those IGN. are all very, really, very good people. I've Great only, humans. I've only met one of them, and that's Alexa, and I met her for maybe two minutes. But she did like my comment about uh, when when I asked if anyone had checked to see if she backflipped off the earth when they announced Kingdom Hearts 4. She liked that tweet. Um, I, I absolutely, I bless. That was a deep cut. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, that's so good. So I basically just completely surrendered, and I was like, I'm not going to explain this. Um, the good news is you don't need to know the plot to play this game. Um, here's the cool part. I'm just going to... Uh, Kingdom Hearts Perilous Pursuit is cooperative King of Tokyo with some extra shenanigans. That's it. Oh. Um, interesting. So the idea is it plays up to five players. The five characters are Sora, Riku, Kairi, Donald, Goofy. There are five abilities within the game. You attack, you defend... You collect items, you have a special power, and there's another one that I can't remember. It doesn't super matter. Oh, there's a distract. The okay. Idea is it's ironic every, that's the one you forgot. And so there's five characters. Distract. Everyone has a specialty. Shiny. And everyone has a special power, right? That's attached that is unique to them attached to okay. that special power. And so the okay. idea is. What you are doing on your turn is you are rolling the kingdom dice. They have these very nice, chunky, very, very King of Tokyo, like, chunky dice covered with, you know, symbols. And the idea is you roll them and you roll it just like King Kingdom, uh, King, uh, King of Tokyo, Kingdom of Tokyo. Um, you throw them and you have three chances. The okay. big trick is there's a heartless token. There's a heartless mark on one of the dice. And if you roll that, you got you got to re-roll everything because the heartless ruined everything, which adds like a little layer. That's what I often do. Um, and the idea is, um, what you can do is as you make a set to complete a row for one of your powers. Like for example, Sora is really good at attacking; that's his jam. So if you roll two keys, you're all set to attack. And then you can, if you roll a third key. You can then prepare, enable, and attack. And what that means is, for the rest of that round, anyone else who rolls an attack die can actually use your space to attack. So basically, over time, you're building up like all these cool powers. And so everybody might have their attacks open. So at one point, all of us had our attacks open. So somebody rolled a bunch of attacks, and it was like, I'm going to swing, and I'm going to swing. So it's like teamwork. We're all like... Beating up on Heartless together. Um, and, it, and so it is super cool. Super cool. You've got like special abilities that all fire off of each other. And everybody's very different. Obviously, Donald doesn't heal anybody, um, which is a Kingdom Hearts joke. But his ability Every doesn't time. heal very well. Um, his ability is not. Even I know that well. joke. Um, very bad. You know what? The <gasps> only criticism that I have is that the player boards are super solid and they have really nice places to put the dice and the dice are awesome. The bowl, cause what you're doing is you're attacking different, you're defeating different kingdom hearts worlds. Right. Um, they're just a card with a picture of a monster from the world. Usually the boss from the game with like a little track. And, okay. um, I really wish that the track had like a cool, like, like a cool mini, or whatever. Instead, you have like this little weird hex-shaped piece of plastic that you just okay, push around on a little board. So I feel like the thing that you are attacking 
um, falls short. But um, the act of sitting around a table and like really coordinating and like rolling dice and oh yeah, man, I got my my item over here. I you can get me me so I can draw some cards or whatever. Um, is all there. It is very cool and it is very satisfying to beat one of the worlds and move on. Um, it is so. I think this is one of those games that you have to just play a turn. Mm. Um, and you have to watch a video. Um, okay. To because one of the mechanics is after your turn, after you complete a world, everyone rolls, and depending on what you roll, one of the dice, and depending on what comes up, you lose all the dice on that row. So you're not. Oh. So it depowers you a little bit. And if you get the heartless, it depowers you entirely. Um, and so the idea is, as the game progresses, you still occasionally will have to recollect all your stuff. Not as devastating as it sounds, but the rule book is not very good at explaining that, and we were collectively very confused until we watched a video. Um, and there's lots of them in the video. Um, kids explaining um, that they they have a video where their two kids explain how to play the game, and outside of the fact that my mother had trouble hearing them because their voices are high pitched. Um, it was fine. So, yeah, Kingdom Hearts, pers- uh, Perilous Pursuit, it's available. It is very cool. And thanks to the OP for sending us that. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Do I think it's going to find its way onto our EFG Essentials? I don't know if I'm going to, like, battle it out against some of the other ones. But I think it could compete because it is actually quite cool. <laughs> it absolutely would be competing on there if some of the components for the things you were fighting were better. That's fair. That would be. I think it's just a component. Okay. But so we did it. We went around the horn. We did. Um, let's talk about some video game news real quick before, because Linda has a topic. She has done some homework and has some. I'm very excited about this topic. Like I am beyond (laughs) psyched. So, um, Amanda, I'm sure you've been dying to talk about this uh, for the 11 billionth time. Um, you do. I'm sure you will be able to. If people want more detail. They can listen to a virtual economy uh, episode, but Square yeah, Enix two episodes getting, ago, in fact, yeah, these Square days. Enix be wilding is uh, yeah. What, what did Square Enix do? Those crazy, crazy Square Enix people. Well, they definitely undervalued um, what it is they sold the their Western studios for. So you heard it right. Square Enix is no longer invested in its Western studios, and that includes Eidos Montreal, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal. And Square Enix Montreal is their mobile studio. So they decided that they were going to sell these studios to Embracer Group. Now, if Embracer Group is something that you haven't heard about, uh, heard about uh, Embracer Group owns a lot of different companies in the game industry. They also own companies like uh, Dark Horse. They own Asmodee. So that's that's relevant to those of us that are interested in tabletop gaming as well. So they own a lot of different, a lot of different companies in and around gaming. So they snapped up these studios for $300 million. Now, it's all funny money at that point, but from my perspective and like Mike and I went into this like in depth and in detail on virtual economy, you wanted to check that out. We're on all podcasting platforms and virtualeconcast.com. But the relevant thing here is that the $300 million price point from my perspective was low and it's indicative of Square Enix really and genuinely undervaluing what it had in those studios, because it's not just the studios, it's all the intellectual property that goes along with those studios, like Deus Ex, right? Like that's a big one. Like, um, sorry, like I believe Tomb Raider's in there as well. Yep, Tomb Raider. So (laughs) like there's, there's, there are a lot, a lot of different titles that are really ripe to come back in you know, in a, in modern gaming and in, you know, in this particular console gen- generation. So 
Yeah, Square Enix decided that it didn't want to invest in its North American studios any longer. So they sold them off to Embracer. And Embracer's like, we're not really sure which business unit you're going to live in yet. So they're trying to figure that out because Embracer has a whole bunch of them. Like THQ Nordic, Gearbox, Coffee Stain, Saber Interactive, um, a bunch of other ones. So like it's, it's yeah, when when Steve said Square Enix be wild in... Square Enix be wild in. Yeah, really good. Uh, it's super wild that they did that. Um, I mean, it's not super it's, surprising. Like yeah. now that we're looking at it from like from hindsight capacity, but when that news dropped, and Mike and I saw it at seven fifteen in the morning, the day that the news dropped, we like bolted up. Where we're like, holy moly, how did this happen? When did this happen? How did we not get any wind of this happening? And then looking at it hindsight, you start to see some of the patterns that Square Enix has had with its Western studios, like having, you know, really hardcore, hardcore um, expectations of Western studios, but not for their Eastern studios or with their Eastern partners. So it's just, it's very, very interesting how this kind of all unfolded. And we don't know what the ramifications are going to be just yet, especially because, you know, they're they're still working, you know, on the finer details of it. But it was, uh, yeah, definitely caught wow. me by surprise, let me tell you. I mean, I can say with certainty, um, I sent a one-word text to Amanda. It's true. Um, it was just one knew, word. One word, huh? She knew exactly what I was talking about. Linda, you probably guessed what it was. And the word yo? No, it was not actually. <laughs> I was because yo is when I am yo is a word that I use when I am excited. That's um, true. I don't That's often true. use yo when I am confused slash interested slash want to express like what? Um, so I sent I, I sent one on word you. to Amanda and she knew exactly what was on my mind and then responded mm. with yeah man more or less and it was uh it, it was a, it was a good moment where we where our minds connected it's new we had a mind meld in that moment um so yeah we obviously don't know what it's going to be here's one thing that i will say is embracer group certainly likes making video games or at the very least they like uh, announcing them so um they have many 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 studios and many people yeah. they are i think they're either as big or bigger than Activision Blizzard at this point. Oh, they're huge. And so ginormous. So if anyone was worried that this was going to be like bought and like shut down or that they were going to stop making games, this is nothing to worry about. That's not that kind of purchase. This is, we're going to see stuff. You know what? I think uh, Amanda's pretty excited about the possibility of a new legacy, a Kane game. Um, it was fact, specifically like brought up in that in like their presentation was Legacy yeah. of Kane as being a very valuable property. And when Mike came and told me about that, I was like, quick, um, someone call Amy Hennig. Uh, Legacy of Kane, Linda, is uh, she was looking at us like, what are you talking about? Legacy of Kane, um, 3D action platformer about vampires, more or less. Ah. Uh. Um, Okay. Otherwise known as like right in Amanda's wheelhouse. I was gonna say that one, sounds exactly like your thing. A new one, um, a new one would be the biggest news of any given month if they announced it. I'm but pretty it sure it would be the biggest news of the decade. Quite frankly, for me personally. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for say, sure. For Amanda specifically, yes. Well, um, for me, for Mike, for a few of our friends, for a like, laser focused, for a very laser focused set of nerds, we it would just like decade. Speaking of, uh, how about this for a segue? Speaking of right, announcements slash news that are laser focused at maybe one person. Um, Stephanie We're going McMahon, for it, aren't we? Stephanie McMahon, uh, wife of Triple H, daughter of Vince McMahon of WWE fame, was interviewed recently regarding the success of WWE 2K22, which, by the way, has done much better than its embarrassing previous entry. Um and who knew you take some time and make a good game and almost like well that's the way it works like it. sometimes really um yeah who knew Just the time it huh do be, it do be like that sometimes if you take time off sometimes and make a good it game, do be people like it and yeah then buy it. revolutionary um, i know it actually, actually kind of is revolutionary in some ways but 
She had some other tidbits to say. Number one, I can say with certainty, WWE 2K22 is in fact on the EFG Essentials list. If you like wrestling games, you must play it. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, But there's another WWE game that is going to be announced very soon. Guys, um, what do you think my level of excitement slash interest is about a WWE-themed role-playing game? Oh, I think you would absolutely lose your noodle. For sure. Um, because that's like three Venn, the C Venn diagram where they overlap completely. Yeah, yeah, it is a circle. It's just a circle. So, it's just um, a circle. <laughs> Vince McMahon, or not Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon indicated that they are, do, they're, they're kind of doing the Disney model is what they're doing. Whereas Disney, what they're, the Disney model is rather than having their own in-house development studios, they tried that once. They have some incredibly savvy people who are, Thank you. Um, and really it's one dude, but like him and his team are working with other developers. And just, if you want to make a Disney game, come to them or they'll go to you. And they're making these awesome partnerships with Disney and LucasArts, etc. games. And um, Ready Player Mama in the chat with Disney's complicated relationship with video games. Because they used that to have their own studios. That later have been what I do. Yeah, I did that. I, that was my that was my article that I wrote about no, Disney's I, complicated I remember, relationship. I think I remember you telling me all about the how hard it was getting all that information together. Um, because you did a lot of good work on that. So thank you. Um, it looks like WWE low key is doing kind of the Disney model in that they are open to licensing characters and mm-hmm. the personas into other things and leaving the sports simulation genre the two and she specifically mentioned a role-playing game now i can't imagine that this is going to be a because rpg role-playing game doesn't mean the same thing that it did in the 90s right like i can't imagine final fantasy 6 remade with the nwo like i'm not imagining that however I would play that, and someone should. Oh, I make know it you right would. Now, however, because um, seriously, Hollywood Hulk Hogan could absolutely suplex a train. Um, but um, I could absolutely imagine a role playing game where you're, you know, it's, it's more or less like an over the top career mode, where you're just kind of running around like an open world RPG kind of thing. Like that makes sense. Um, But what I really want, can I just tell you what I really, really want them to do, and I don't know why they haven't done it yet, is um, NetherRealm, the people that make Injustice and Mortal Kombat, made a mobile game that was a fighting game based on WWE properties, where they took all the characters and their personas and, like, made them fantastic. So, for example, The Rock was literally a golem. And Kane was literally a demon. Oh, I can see that. And okay. I mean, we don't, I, I'm I'm speaking purely of the persona, not the actual guy who is a not pleasant governor in Nashville, but like in the Nashville area. But like also, like John Cena was like a soldier. John Cena, and so okay. on and so forth. You know, Paige was like this gothic knight chick with like ravens all over the place, which fit her persona perfectly. And so they basically fan and Undertaker was. Well, I mean, he was basically just the Undertaker. But, but like, they, all of the characters were weird, crazy versions of themselves. And so, I want them to just make that. Just make that. that but, really like, make it a real fighting game. Not, like, mobile tappy taps. Make it, like, just charge me 70 bucks for a next-gen real fighting game where I get to be, like, I don't know. Like, one of the street prophets. And I get to, like, be a prophet. I don't know. Like, do something. Um, anyway, laser, speaking of, I just wanted to say when you mentioned laser focused announcements, like a WWE RPG is like for me, um, that's entirely for you. Really was, um, speaking of things just for me, um, who wants to talk about Nintendo stuff? Um, I feel like that's not really just for you though. I'm claiming it. You're claiming it. That's it. It's like putting his flag in the ground. This one's Um, mine. I can't because, um, because there are literally no cops. Hey, um, so Nintendo's earnings were announced. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it was today. Was it today? Was it yesterday? I can't even. It know was what yesterday. Day it, was. it was yesterday. Thank it was you. yesterday. I haven't together. done my analysis on it. 
So well, that's that's later this week. Into, I'm going to encourage everybody to stay tuned to um, uh, Virtual Economy because I'm sure you guys, you guys are going to go deep into it. Oh, um, we will. Yeah, we're doing an earnings episode um, yeah. early next week. Um, the things that we know um, is uh, they really have no idea what's coming out at the end of the year other than Pokemon. They're telling us maybe Bayonetta 3, which is not a family-friendly game, but I also don't believe them. Um, And... Kind of seems like lies, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's like that cat from Saga, like lying. Yeah, lying cat. It's not true. Um, It's definitely lie cat. And definitely, I mean, whatever, they gotta say something. Um, But we do know Metroid Prime is not coming, so my wife is safe. No, they actually... Metroid Prime 4 is, like, straight up... um, so yeah, g- the general is saved for <laughs> one more year. She's got to wait. Um, they've got to tell us something. The good news is, uh, for Nintendo, uh, they did say that there's going to be an Indie World Showcase tomorrow. So today is the 10th, right? Today's the 10th, so tomorrow is the 11th, yep. we'll have a Nintendo World Showcase. So the next time we gather, we'll be able to talk about the indie games that were announced there. It's going to be about 20 minutes long. My experience with 20-minute long indie showcases from Nintendo are that they are dense. So we better be ready. Oh, yeah. I'm, be, I'm excited oh. for tomorrow. I'll tell you what. It's going to um, be intense. It is going to be fun. So, um, yeah, that's that's like the big news for all of us to talk about for now. Um, you know, with all me, with us saying that, like, tomorrow, like, Sony will cancel the PlayStation 5 or something. You know, whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> something big will happen tomorrow, and then... If it's that big, we'll have an emergency episode. I promise. But more likely than not, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I think we'll Linda, be fine. Linda, you did some homework for us, though, because I wanted to have a board game topic. Um, and it is, you are a teacher, as yeah. we talked about. I had I'm no sure idea. Every episode that we Never, do. Nobody knows that's a secret. Like, no one knows that about you. It's a secret. Never heard of it before. Like ingrained into my personality. You, I outed you as a teacher. <laughs> um, so, um, it's that time of year. Where people are going to start thinking about getting. getting, It is getting to the time of the year where people should start thinking about end-of-year gifts for teachers. And we know, and you've got to, that there are some standards, some old standbys that people give that drive teachers crazy. And some people may, I think, be interested in some interesting ideas for alternatives. And Linda, take it away. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying... Please, if you didn't already buy it, please, we don't need another mug. Are you saying I should buy more mugs? Are you sure? No, I could like fill up a whole shelf. Um, It's so sweet. It's sentimental. I know it's it's well intended. So I want to preface it with like, I I take it as intended, but I can assure you your child's teacher has a mug and they have a cup, cold drink cup, and they don't need another vessel to hold beverages. I'm going to start by some other things. So I went through, and so my process for putting this together was not many teachers are going to be veteran board gamers. You're going to have some out there that can go into something heavier, but I went for what are the very easy to learn, quick to teach, the two to three minute learning games so that there's not a lot of mental bandwidth needed. Because I can tell you by the end of June, and some schools are actually in like the Midwest and the South are, they're looking at their, in the last few weeks now. Uh, West, uh, East Coast, we're looking at another month. They're like mid-June, mid to late June. It's coming up quick. So I was looking for things that, very fast. Um, I personally, I'm looking, I've got about four more weeks to plan out. I was working on my scope and sequence. But I can tell you, most of us are not going to have the mental bandwidth for anything complicated unless we're already heavily invested into games. So if you know your child's teacher is already a gamer, these may not be the best choice. And hit me up. I can give you lots of other suggestions. But for the average teacher out there, these are some fun, light games they can play with their families, especially if they're going on vacation, to the beach, to the lake, just to chill, to unwind. I started by going right to our essentials list. And going, okay, from here, what are the games that are going to be the most approachable, the easiest to teach? And so I pulled a couple from that. And I'm not going to go deep into them because these are all on our essentials list. These are games we have talked about a ton. Um, Steve, you're going to laugh. 
I'm gonna start with Sky Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you always talk about Sky Joe. Even I know that. Linda Roble, number one Sky Joe influencer. It's so true. On Earth. Um, Linda Roble, Sky Joe Stan. I think we're approaching Sky Joe Stan territory. I think this is just straight up Sky Joe Stan territory. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it personally because I love that for you. She's not on the, she's so not on the payroll. I want to make this not. very clear. She's not no, no, no. No, not on the this payroll. This is not that kind of thing. This is, like, I'm starting to question, like, is, is the laser focused announcement is like a follow-up to Sky Joe for her. Like, for, like, like, Maybe. Kane for you, a WWE RPG for me, Sky Joe 2. Perhaps. Is that so, she's right, so you went with Sky anyway, Joe. And I'm, so Sky I'm Joe. Of it. You know, and it's on our essentials list for a reason, because it is so quick and easy to learn. Um, another one on there a classic one that we've talked about literally for years sushi go love sushi go that's love one of those it. literally play one turn and it makes perfect sense yeah that's all you need Doesn't is one turn exactly though so not a lot of bandwidth needed uh another one i went with i was looking through our list and when i came to king domino i'm like this is a perfect one it's another one it's not complicated you can learn the rules in a couple minutes it's very intuitive. One, again, once you play one turn, you got it. So, and all of these are low price points. I know most people don't have a huge budget, so these are also relatively inexpensive games. Mm-hmm. Um, and one more from our essentials list, Abandon All Artichokes. And that's one of our newer ones. Okay. Again, super easy, super cute. It's just cards. You can literally be sitting around the picnic table and playing it. So something really simple, perfect for summer break. I think the other thing, quietly, uh, that's really awesome about these games is they're all kind of readily available. So if you are... Very. You know, like, I have three kids, you know, like, of various ages, right? And so, you know, obviously, you know, we don't, you don't get a lot of stuff for high school teachers, that, that kind of... But when we were all in the same, like, elementary school, three gifts, like, this is, you know, three different copies of Sky Joe... You know, it's not like it's hard to find. It's not a collector's right. item or handmade thing. It's, yeah. you know, so I, I super approve of that. Yeah, really easy. So as I did my research, I was scouring the Amazons and I came across, do you know, there is a, what do you mean teacher's edition? What? Really? On the Amazons. Now I have to did just say, it? Uh, not yet. Um, full disclosure. She's waiting the for it on my wish list um because i do have a teacher wish list <laughs> um full disclosure though i read the description it is listed as a 17 plus game so there is mature content so i know you i could always go through it and maybe like pull the more questionable things out though potentially you could unless it's well, all it's, bad but you know what? It, unless it's, it's no, all bad once they showed on the amazon photo weren't bad but of course they might have i'm sure they cherry picked them to be able to post oh I'm absolutely sure. bad on I'm that sure. one um but that's one of those if you know the teacher that's one of those i would say if if you know they're gonna get a huge kick out of it go for it but if you're not sure pick something else but i laughed when i saw that i'm like you gotta be kidding that's perfect <laughs> it was awesome um so that that might have been saved in my cart right now <laughs> maybe might love um, it so i've got a couple more one of them i put on here because i was remembering the way the gameplay is and it's kind of the opposite of what teachers do as teachers so monstro monstrosity you remember that one that we talked about a while ago where so you have one person that sees a picture of a monster and they have to describe it to everyone else and based oh, on the description right. alone, the other players have to draw it on their whiteboards. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I remember talking about that. Or at the very least hearing about that. Because I might have just listened to that episode. Very possible. I, I saw that and I laughed because teachers are notorious for not listening well and following directions when other people are giving us things to do and listen to. And my husband loves to tease us. That, that tracks. In, it's, I mean, I'll be honest, and we know that we are terrible at reading something completely and following directions when we are needing to complete a task. That's so. amazing. 
I saw that. I'm like, it's that's kind of funny. We could practice our listening skills. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, amazing. I love yeah, it. I just thought that I'm laughing, but it's true. Like as a group, we're used to being in charge and not having to follow someone else's direction. We're used to it. And it's our kingdom when we're in our classroom, like we're the king or queen of the kingdom right there. So, that's right. True. Ruling monarch. It's true. I mean, I may have told a student or two, like, maybe the prince or princess at home, but I'm the queen here. I outrank you. Exactly. (laughs) I love that very much. And I fully and wholeheartedly support you in this. (laughs) Thank you. Can can I make a suggestion, too? Can I throw Happy Salmon onto the pile? Because I know it is not an orderly game. No. Like, this is one of those games that is going to cause havoc in a classroom. But also, like, it's going to get the sillies out, right? Like, don't you sometimes just need to do that? Yes, and it's knowing your group for that one. But this, even if it's a gift you give, like, that they get to go let off steam, the teachers get to let off steam with their friends. Yep. And go do something goofy and silly. Because we're so used to, we have to, we can't laugh at the silly thing because then we'll lose control and, you know, let off some steam. Which actually leads me to one of my other ones. I put on here a taco cat goat cheese pizza. <laughs> because it's taco cat goat cheese pizza is perfection so funny it's real good so funny i mean can you imagine like uh you're on summer break you're trying to decompress and there's no thinking like it's it's head empty only exactly just only game the silliness just letting off that steam yeah. so, so that was another one i thought was really fun just because it's there's it takes you two seconds to learn the rules it's just silly you can just sit and laugh love it i do really enjoy silly love it absolutely and i got one more all right okay. that's the last one one more this is something another one i'm thinking of summer vacation the game that we bring constantly on vacation cinco linko because I love it's i love that because it is the perfect sitting at the restaurant when you're on vacation game yep. okay plastic pieces i mean do you know you don't know cinco no i don't so, this is the first time i'm hearing about it so okay. i'm like don't mind me while i lean in listen in so it's this little game it's all. It's a tile laying game, four color tiles. Mm-hmm. It clips all together onto a carabiner clip, so you can literally clip it onto your backpack. Go to the restaurant or wherever you're traveling, lay it on the table. It's all plastic, so if it's there's condensation from your drink, somebody spills something, it's plastic. It wipes clean. We have played this so much as we're when we're on vacation, sitting at a restaurant when it's busy, waiting for our food. It doesn't take up a huge space. There's small pieces. And they all clip back together onto the carabiner clip. Super easy. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. This is, um, it was originally called OK Play, and they renamed it um, okay. several years ago. So if you've heard of OK Play, it's exactly, they just I re-branded. think I've heard of OK Play, but yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. I'll have to look into that maybe for the summertime when we go on vacation. It's fantastic. And it's another small, uh, low price point. I believe it's Big Potato Games that puts that one out. Okay, good if I'm to know. Your name right. Yeah, no, it's a really good little gem, and we we play it so much. It's in, incredible. I think I play it more than Sky Joe. If you can believe that, because it detra- it travels better. Right. Okay. I was about but to still say, a Sky Joe ooh. stand. Sky Joe is it's just too takes up too much table space for a restaurant. Fair enough. Yeah. That is true. So, um, ladies, we did it. We did. One did. more episode Woo. in the books. So, everybody, thank you very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed watching as much as we enjoyed recording. This will be going up on our podcast feeds uh, next Monday, uh, as is our tradition. So, if you want to see it fresh, got to come watch it live. Um, as I said at the top of the show, and I, it bears repeating, um, the podcast is changing formats, at least temporarily. Uh, while we go to every other week to accommodate busy schedules and changing times. We're in the doldrums with the video games and the board games right now while we wait for the world to right itself. Knock on wood. Um, So we will be off next week um, from the podcast, but I'm going to be doing World of Warcraft Monday every week. Um, My good friend Dana has... It has reignited her enjoyment of the game. So we will be doing all sorts of cool content. So if you want to watch... Me and Dana do dumb things in World of Warcraft. You can certainly do that every Monday. And next Tuesday, I will be back to stream something. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm hoping someday it'll be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
when they actually put Ooh. a release date out on it. But until then, I play that with you. Um, let's chat when they freaking release it. So when they release next, it. Until next time, everybody. Don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see y'all soon. Bye. Bye. Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.